Let's pray. God, unless you speak to our hearts today, nothing of value will be said. So open our minds, open our hearts, open our best laid plans, our tightly clutched plans, and send your Holy Spirit to this place. God, I pray that you would give me your words to speak and keep me completely out of your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a small town. There was only one middle school and one high school in my town. Any one of the several enormous districts in San Antonio would just dwarf this tiny ISD in this little logging town in Northwest Washington. As in any small community, there were beloved teachers. And these teachers are people that, since there's only one middle school and one high school, Practically every family in the entire town got to have these teachers, right? All the siblings, even some of the parents, which made the teachers feel a little old sometimes. But they touched the lives of the community in a really profound way. One such iconic teacher was history teacher and coach Ron Brown. Ron Brown was the boys basketball coach at Centralia High School for an astounding 58 years. With 722 wins, he was one of the most winningest high school or basketball coaches in Washington State history. And he was just an incredible, gentle, amazing human being. He was not the kind of coach who used anger or humiliation to get his players in line. He was kind, he was fair, he was tough. He really disliked piercings. <laughs> It bugged him so bad, bless his heart. But he always erred on the side of grace and goodness. He was such an institution that one of the chants that his teams would do before games was to say, whose house? And then they would say, Ron's house. Whose house? Ron's house. The gymnasium became Ron Brown's house when his boys played. And if you knew Mr. Brown, you knew that that meant Respect, fairness, hard work, kindness, good sportsmanship, Ron's house. Today is the reign of Christ Sunday, also called Christ the King Sunday. It's when we remember whose house we live in and what it means for us as children of God and what it means to all beloved of God. We did not create this earth that we live in. Humans can make some really beautiful things. And look around. We're in a beautiful space made by human hands. But not even the Sistine Chapel can compare to the majesty of the Grand Canyon. Not even close. Nor the pyramids to the peaceful sovereignty of Mount Kilimanjaro. To say that God's house is a church built by human hands, no, ma no matter how well constructed or beautifully appointed, or elaborate is far, far too small. If this little corner of Avenue E and McCullough in San Antonio, Texas was God's house, and that's it, then we could just keep all of our God things here, right? But this is not the house that Christ reigns over. When we speak of living in God's house, we're not talking about anything made by human hands. 
we're talking about all of everything. We speak to the universe, to the mystery, to the heavens above and the earth below, to the wind in our hair and the sun on our face, to ecosystems we can't even understand. We're talking about anywhere our feet take us, anywhere our voice reaches, anywhere our paths bring us. We speak to the collective body of Christ that we can never be by ourselves. And this reign of Christ in Christ's house looks absolutely nothing like any earthly system of governance. Humans do a really good job of messing stuff up, amen? amen. <laughs> the reign of Christ does not rely on intimidation or force. The reign of Christ cannot be bought or sold the reign of Christ does not rely on human understanding of what is fair or who belongs. The reign of Christ defies social norms and niceties. The precepts of the reign of Christ are so dangerous and so antithetical to the normal way of things, it got Jesus killed by his own people. He was a threat to power. He was a threat to oppression. He was a threat to the way things had always been done. It's convenient for us as Christians, and I've heard this throughout my whole life from being a little girl growing up in the church, to, to judge those who crucified Jesus and were upset with his ministry on earth. Those silly people, we think, if we had been there, we would have been faithful to the end. We would never have rejected Jesus. We would never have felt threatened by him or want to take a break from him pushing us into new frontiers. We're Christians. We would be cool. No. Our lives have been transformed by Christ. Thank God. But we're still human. We're still religious. We are the keeper of the hymnals. We're the, we always do it this way, folk. We are, we've been this way for generations, people, right? We have our own stagnant ways of doing and being. And it's not bad, but sometimes it's a block to God's radical love. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with religion, except that humans created it. When we're doing it well, we're focused on God and others. But when we begin to get caught up in the religiosity and the tradition and the rules of the thing and not the movement of love and grace of the thing, we trip up. Our religions, our denominations, they become idols that distract us from the way of Christ. When we elevate our religious ideals, rules, or assumptions, we kill, again, the message of the good news just as those scared folks did to Jesus a couple millennia ago. In order for us to live in and embrace the reign of Christ as individuals and as a community, we must recognize the way that we don't live in it sometimes. We do this every Sunday in confession and forgiveness. We don't do that to posture. We do it to remind ourselves of the ways that our hearts turn away so often from God and to cry out to the Holy Spirit, please move us forward as stubborn as we are. Move us into your ways, God. 
I don't think that I need to tell you that the system we live in is broken. It's pretty overwhelming to think of what we're passing to our children and our grandchildren as far as the mess of things. One of the incredible things about Jesus' reign and leadership was that he never coerced anyone. Contrary to the highly militarized and violent leadership of the time, the culture in which he lived, which was all about control, all about making sure everyone stayed in line all the time, from shunning folk to everything else, he refused to live in that way. He led by example. He reached out in love. He rejected societal norms and reached out to people who would never be reached out to. He never sought power or glory. He created connection. He fostered relationship. He inspired community. The reign of Christ offers us this way of being. It will never coerce us. It will not control us. It will not threaten us. If you hear those things in religious tradition, please just brush them to the side. The Holy Spirit moves us forward with love and confidence and grace. As good Lutherans, we know that God's grace is free, right? And we get to live in that way as we live in the reign of Christ. When we live in the reign of Christ, we never look at anything or anyone as less than an incredible reflection of God's love and creativity. There is no one that is not a child of God. Everyone belongs, including you, right now as you are. When we live in a way that recognizes the reign of Christ, we do not look at this beautiful sanctuary as God's house. This is just a tiny room in an enormous universe of God's grace, creativity, and splendor. So this whole wide world is full of opportunities to see God's work and participate in it. When we live in a way that recognizes the reign of Christ, we do not strive for the metrics of success in this sham of a system that is based on everyone trying to get ahead with humans running the game. But instead, we imagine ways that we can bring the kingdom of God that we can bring justice, that we can set people free, that we can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that everyone belongs, full stop. Take a breath. Remember that you are working for God's love in this life. That's what matters. Christ is king, y'all. And we live in the already and not yet of it. We live in the in-between. In between the earthquake and the tsunami. In between the train leaving the station and arriving at the destination. In between Jesus' resurrection and second coming. In between death and resurrection. Living in this space with the reality of the kingdom of God is not always easy, is it? We're often swimming upstream. We're often tend to go along with the culture because it's just easier and there's just a stronger pull. We're often called to do things counterintuitive, but we, we deny them sometimes. We're often having crises of faith because so much in this world is broken. So much terrible things happen. But I would suggest this morning 
that we think about things a little differently on this Christ the King Sunday. And the already and not yetness of the whole thing, that we, the people of God, are the tsunami. That we are the train coming to bring God's love and good news. That we are the examples of the resurrection, new life springing forth at every turn. The entire world does not reflect it yet, but it will, and we stand in that hope, in that reality, in the glimpses of things to come. And when we have that focus, that love, that grace, we change the world. I'm not sure if it'll stick in this Lutheran church to start chanting before church every Sunday, whose house? Christ's house. But we could try it. Maybe on Easter. Maybe on Christ the King. Whose house? Whose house? Whose house? Christ is King. Amen.